Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. In the wake of Matt Canada's ouster, the Steelers finally came to life. Was this just a coincidence or the start of something good? We'll discuss. Friday makes, marks the start of the Dubois Beavers boys basketball season. How does the team look? We'll talk to head coach Dave Bennett for a preview. After a five-game winning streak to start November, the Penguins are near the bottom of the Eastern Conference again. We'll talk to Matt Vensel to get an update on the team as they travel to Tampa. I'm Dave Glass. And I'm Bob Anderson. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go under review. Sponsored by Smith Lawn and Landscaping and Dr. Greg Lineski at Wise Eyes. On Connect FM, your only local news radio. And welcome back to Under Review. Dave, it's just you and I this week as uh, Dave Herzing is in basketball mode here. Uh, He's going to be coaching a little bit, so that leads us to a public service announcement. Uh, Our showtime will be switching next week starting uh, at 7 o'clock instead of 6 o'clock. So just uh, adjust your schedules there to our listeners. And of course, we always do have the podcast available the next day. So uh, don't forget to, to download that. Um, but I wanted to start today and, uh, Dee's not here to, to, uh, brag. So, and he wouldn't anyhow, but I got to say that he did win the kicking challenge. We met Friday at, uh, the stadium there and, uh, we each took, took a few kicks. We had a little shootout going and, uh, Dee connected on a 29 yarder. That was the goal in the, at the beginning. And, um, I missed the 29 yarder. I made a couple before that, but, uh, Dee, Dee closed it out there. So, I just wanted to ask you, Dave, what what was your thoughts on the uh, kicking challenge? What did you learn about about kicking? You guys can kick really good. I learned that I'm old um, (laughs) and I can no longer kick at all. So, uh, you know, a little humble pie, but that's fine. That's fine. We showed up. We had a good time. Uh, Your kids came out and we we threw the ball a little bit. Heath's here in studio with us. So that was fun. And uh, no, it it was good. I thought it was a neat challenge. And uh, in the last kick, I think, was it Herzing's one that hit the crossbar and bounced straight up? I was under there. Yeah, that was a 35-yarder. Mm-hmm. So Dave and I both tried that one, and that was my kick. Oh, yeah, was it, your kick? You know what? It looked just like uh, the Amendola kick for the for the Texans, the 58. Of course, that was from 58, but hit the crossbar, didn't go in. Um, but yeah, it was a fun challenge. And I got to say, I, I definitely have a new appreciation for kickers now. And um, when we get to the Eagles, that guy making the 59 yarder in the cold, in the rain, you know, there is definitely an art to it and uh, shouldn't be taken for granted. Yeah, how about that kick, by the way? How uh, about that kick? That, that, you want to talk about a pressure kick, yes. like you say, 58, 59 yards, and he just drilled it. All right, so on to the Steelers here, Dave. Uh, in the first game without Matt Canada, there were signs of improvement on offense. They put up 400 yards for the first time since week two of the 2020 season. That was a span of 58 games. On the very first play, I I, I had to kind of chuckle afterwards, right down the middle, a 24-yard pass to Pat Fryermuth, who had been in the witness protection program because we hadn't seen him for so long. And, uh, you know, they, they he finished Fryermuth with nine catches and 120 yards. So those are both career highs. Then again, they only did put up 16 points. So nonetheless, a step in the right direction. Well, I, I think. think it's a huge step. I mean, 
you know, sometimes points will not reflect, you know, your offense. Sometimes this year they've scored more points than they really deserve to, thanks to turnovers. I thought, and, and I texted you guys right away, that pass down the middle to Fryermuth on the first play, I think, was a clear statement. Using Fryermuth all day between the numbers was a clear statement. Um, I, a lot, I don't think a lot of players wanted to publicly, like, throw Canada under the bus, but you could just, if you read between the lines and a lot of the postgame comments, it was obvious that something was really broken there, and... Look, I doesn't, this doesn't mean Kenny Pickett is all of a sudden an elite quarterback or this is an elite offense. They've got a lot of work to do. And let's keep in mind, Cincinnati's defense is not good, okay? It, you know, the only reason they were considered a contender really was because of Burrow. And now with him gone, that, that team's a mess. That's a whole other story. But, you know, they'd been doing bad against bad teams all year. So I'll take, I'll take the 420 yards and say that's something to build on with another bad team coming to town this week. Now I want to see 25 or 30 points. Yeah, I think that's what's got to come next. So I wanted to play a quick clip for you and uh, see what you think about this. This is um, uh, J-Mac on Colin Coward's show. He's the co-host. And uh, he's saying something pretty bold here about the Steelers. Let's see what you think. Uh, I'll say this about the Steelers. I know you're not a total believer yet. Yesterday, one for four in the red zone, right? So they're, get, they're moving the ball, getting to the red zone, just couldn't finish with touchdowns. When the new OC turns those field goals into touchdowns, and we're seeing a new Najee Harris who's upset that Jalen Warren like stole his thunder. Harris running tough yesterday. I'm just, I think this is a quasi-dangerous team. Fryermuth, the tight end's back. Yeah. Minka Fitzpatrick's going to be coming back here shortly. Like They're looking a little spicy for me in what looks like a watered-down AFC. No Burrow, uh, no Rodgers, uh, no Herbert in the playoffs. Deshaun Watson. All right, so what do you think? Are well, they a sneaky team in the AFC? Absolutely. And, and, and I think part of that is he's right. I, going into the season, I thought the AFC was stronger. But, but you know, these injuries have really messed things up. The, the fact that um, Buffalo is 6-6 six and six and yet they've outscored their, their opponents by 100 points. Now, look, that does make you wonder. If, you know, if any team could go 4-1 and one through this schedule, it's probably Buffalo. But if they don't, they're probably done. I, and I said over the weekend, if they lose that game, that's a big plus for the Steelers because I don't think they match up well with Buffalo if that would come around. So I don't think they match up with Miami either, by the way. But every one of these teams has question marks. Miami has not looked good against good teams. Kansas City, I know they they, they pulled it together and, and took care of the Raiders, but they struggled again early in that game. They've lost a lot of games this year or, or been close to losing games that they shouldn't have lost, um, you know, Baltimore probably is is the best team, and we've already beaten them. So yeah, and you never know with with those two teams. It always comes down to a field goal at the end of the game, right? I, I, if honestly, I think if, and we'll get into this at the end of the year. But Baltimore needs to change their their game plan against Pittsburgh. I always think they play they play a whole different game when they play Pittsburgh than they do against anybody else. I think they almost respect Pittsburgh too much, and I hate to give them you know pointers, but man, they need to be more aggressive. But anyway, I I really think that. It, if they continue to do this, and he said when they turn those field goals, I'm saying if, because it is far from sure that they're going to continue to improve. But I don't know how anybody could look at what happened this weekend and not say it's a real positive sign. Oh, no doubt. Um, one question that I had for you, too, was, you know, at the beginning of the game, one of those um, opportunities for a touchdown, they kind of let's, you know, get uh, get past them there because Deontay Johnson seemingly caught that ball I think he took three steps and then lost control of it, and Mike Tomlin didn't challenge. Do you think that was a mistake by the, by Tomlin? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm on record as being a Tomlin guy, but he's always been bad with these kind of decisions. The challenge thing doesn't—he hasn't figured it out yet. 
um, which tells me he never will. And somebody in Pittsburgh, it might have even been um, Coward, I can't remember, made the point that there's probably more ex-retired officials and high school and college officials in Western PA than there is anywhere. Why don't you just put one one of those folks on staff and to help you sort this out? Yeah, the Penguins do that. that that's an ob- that's a yeah. no-brainer. I mean, not that I'm you know the best around, but I get somebody with that official's background to look at that and say right away, hey, that might be worth it, or you know what, that's not worth it. Because they, they continually miss that. I agree with you. Um, but even with that, I, I, I did like what they... And I have to point out one other thing. It took them forever to come around on Joey Porter, I felt. And, you know, before the game, Chase was talking about how he was going to put on a show. And he had one really nice catch. But overall, Joey Porter really put the clamps down on him. Oh, yeah. He's looked really good. And, and I, actually, the... Um the rookie in the first and Broderick Jones has looked really good and look how they're running the ball right now. Uh, 150 yards, I think in three consecutive weeks. So that's a really good sign. If they can just get this passing game to even be average, that would be huge for the team. Um, speaking of the wide receivers though, Deontay Johnson, my goodness, talk about lack of effort, lack of focus. Um, you know, we've, we've become a little bit accustomed to divas at the wide receiver position. And I think that Deontay's kind of becoming one right now. He should have been benched. I mean, the way he acted there, that was ridiculous. Um, I'm starting to see a lot of A-B antics without the A-B talent, and you just can't have it. I mean, I don't like that stuff anywhere. Um, Now, look, I'm all for celebrating. You score, celebrate all you want. And, I'm, you know, when you're in baseball, you hit a homer, flip the bat. That's great. But in the middle of a play, to just take it off like he did, that was really, really bad. Yeah, and Adam Schefter even reported that uh, prior to this week, actually, there was an altercation in the locker room involving Deontay and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. They got into it. Apparently, T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward had to break it up. So somebody needs to talk to him. Uh, I think this is his last year on his deal, too. So, you know, for a guy who has an expiring contract, you'd think he'd be a little bit uh, on better terms here. One would think so. All right. So uh, we have um, oh, we got a busy show for you here today. We're going to make our picks. we got a couple guests coming on. So our first guest is going to be Dave Bennett. We're going to have him on the line when we return. Uh, we're going to have the local sports beat in here and then we'll have Dave Bennett on the line. So stay with us as we continue under review sponsored by Smith Lawn and Landscaping and Dr. Greg Glineski at Wise Eyes. Here we go again. The same old story. You order the part online. It's wrong when it arrives. The car's torn apart and then the fun begins trying to send it back. In the meantime, your wife is missing her hair appointment. The kids need to, well, you know the rest of the story, and you think you saved money. At Napa, we'll get it right the first time. Napa know-how is on your side with expert customer service and parts that meet or exceed manufacturer's standards. Napa, better here to serve you, our customers. Napa Auto Parts, Dubois, Brockway, Brookville, and Climber. The numbers say it all. 65% of Americans' shopping budgets are still spent in-store, and 61% shop at local businesses because of their unique products. Plus, small businesses employ almost 60 million people, and 56% of workers at locally owned businesses have high commitment scores. What do all those numbers mean? That shopping small and shopping local benefits you and our community. So get away from that keyboard and shop in person and local at businesses today. The Day Spa of Dubois on Brady Street in downtown Dubois. Junk Dealer's Daughter, located on West Long Avenue in Dubois. Day Spa 10, across from Luigi's on Brady Street in Dubois. Winery of Wilcox, on Beeline Highway, across from Wendy's. Merle Norman Boutique, located on Brady Street, across from the Dubois Public Library. And Infused IV Bar, located on Midway Drive in Dubois. Shop local. 
with Sunny 106 and Connect FM. Keeping your eye on the ball is the key to playing sports well. Let Wise Eyes coach you into sturdy shatter and contact-resistant eyewear. Whether your child plays sports... You love extreme sports or you work in hazardous construction zones. You need sharp vision while protecting your eyes. Dr. Lineski is a leader in clinical eye care and takes the time to explain your eye test results. Proud to support local sports programs, Wise Eyes has served our community for over 20 years. Come and strive to boys and at mywiseeyes.com. It's now time for the Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat, sponsored by Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons and Dr. Greg Lineski. High school football is down to the final four teams, one of them a District 9 team, the Red Bank Valley Bulldogs, in the PIAA Class Single A quarterfinal game last Friday, District 9 champ Red Bank Valley beat up on District 10 champ Cambridge Springs 44 to nothing. That game was played in Meadville. That means that uh, Red Bank Valley still alive. District 9 champ Bulldogs will play the Whitfield champ Fort Cherry this Friday night at 7 o'clock. That game will be at Farrell High School. If 12-1 Red Bank Valley makes it 13 wins for the season, that means the Bulldogs will head to the state championship game. This is the second time in the past three years that Red Bank Valley has played in the Class A semifinals. The District 9 high school basketball season will begin on Friday. In boys' games, Brockway will play Brookville in the Brookville tip-off tournament. Dubois will face Clarion in the Keystone tip-off tournament. And in other games, Clearfield will take on Dubois Central Catholic and St. Mary's will play at Otto Eldred. In some girls' matchups, Dubois and Brockway square off, and Punxsutawney faces Carn City, both those games in the Brockway tip-off tournament. Brookville will go against Clarion Limestone, while Clearfield will take on North Clarion in the Brookville tip-off tourney. And Dubois Central Catholic is going to face North Star Friday evening in the Forest Hills tip-off tournament. Wrestlers from Dubois, St. Mary's, and Ridgeway High Schools are going to be participating in the Hickory Invitational on Friday. That's the Connect FM local youth sports beat for this week, sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Lows dip down to about 25 tonight under partly cloudy skies. Winds out of the southwest, 8 to 15 miles per hour. Sunshine mixed with clouds at times again. Tomorrow, highs level off around 46. Cloudy skies expected. Tomorrow night, chance for scattered rain showers. Lows dip down to about 38. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 28. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Welcome back to Under Review. It's time to talk hoops here, and we got a special guest on the line. We got the head coach of the Dubois Beavers boys basketball team, Coach Dave Bennett, who took some time out of practice to join us. Dave, how you doing? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. Appreciate you taking the time here. Um, so it's great to see the the team. Looks like it's a you got a good roster there. A lot of size. Tell us a little bit about the team this year. What do you, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Uh, yeah, we're super excited about this year's team. Uh, we had a good good off season, good summer, good fall. 
I think we have, we, well, one, we have a lot of returning experience. Last year, unfortunately, we had some key injuries early, but that, that allowed this group to play much larger roles than they may have played, which gets us ready for this season. So, so like you said in the intro there, I, I think we have some nice size and length and versatility, and we're going to try to do some things defensively that shows that as our, as our strength. And w- what we always want is uh, after the defensive end is to be able to rebound the ball and get out and transition. So we, we definitely want to play very up-tempo. I think we have some nice depth once we get everybody healthy and ready to go. Yeah, so uh, you say you have some depth. I mean, are you you know looking at uh, six, seven guys deep or, or deeper than that? Well, I, I always, you know, I always probably prefer to play seven or eight, uh, but I, I think we have the ability to play uh, eight, nine guys this year uh, once we're to full strength. So if we can be up-tempo, I think we have the, the depth to go that deep with our athletes. We, we have a pretty large sophomore class, and I expect some of those guys to help out. We have four seniors with uh, Tyson Kennis leading the way and Cam Thompson, Rudy Williams, Carson Coral. We have a uh, junior that's going to play a huge role as Aiden West. He was playing as well as anybody at the end of last season. And then we have um, sophomores, Maddox Bennett, Trey Wingard, Jackson Hansley, and Noah Farrell, who are all uh, having strong preseasons. Uh, Coach, talk just for a minute about Trey. You know, obviously he had the injury. I know he came back at the end of the football season. Has that caused him any difficulty with basketball? Because obviously, you know, the wrist is a really important part of that sport. Yeah, he, the, Trey, Trey looks great. He, they, he was fully healed. If, if anybody, if you know Trey, he attacks his rehab. He attacks um, – the, the, the therapy part of it, and then getting back to full strength. So he, he's just a worker. So you do not see any ill effects. And, and obviously it was his, his non-shooting hand, but even, you know, for he trades a great catcher too. That's an important part of his body for, uh, for catching the baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and he looks great. Uh, you know, see no ill effects of that. Uh, looking at your schedule, uh, who, who do you see? I mean, obviously, I know you're going to say every game's its own challenge, and I, I respect that. But who, who are the, the really, really, you know, the tougher teams early on that you're going to see over the first, you know, two or three weeks? Yeah, over the first two or three weeks, we added Latrobe this year. And Latrobe has had a, a history of having some really high-level players, some, a lot of Division One and Division Two basketball players. So they're new to the schedule. That will certainly be a challenge. Uh, Central Mountain, uh, they, they beat us at their place pretty good last year, and we play them. That's our third game of the season. We play them next Wednesday at home. And um, so over the first couple weeks, uh, Indiana is a Whippeal team, a 5A Whippeal team. We play them within that first little bit. And then, our, then our, we open our league game right before Christmas against uh, El County Catholic, which is, which is always a good game. So I want to talk a little bit of history with you here, Coach, and uh, you may not have been expecting this, but I was over at Penn State Dubois today and happened to see a picture up there that my friend Garrett Rowan showed me of a uh, 2007 team that you were the head coach of that won the uh, small college championships. So first of all, uh, that's really cool. And also, can you can you give us a little sense of how you've made the journey from, you know, Penn State Dubois over to Dubois High? Oh, sure. Yeah, those were some good years. Those were some fun years looking back. But, yeah, I started at Penn State, at Penn State Dubois. I, I coached there for about 10 years. We, we had some really, really strong teams. 
we won the conference twice. It was the only two times in, in school history that they won the conference championship. Uh, we kind of ushered in the era of being in the USCAA, which is the uh, U.S. United States Collegiate Athletic Association for small colleges. And we, we played in the national championship game, but unfortunately we didn't win the national championship, but we played in that game. And then after that, uh, I coached at Brockway for a few years and then had an opportunity at uh, Clarion University. So I was uh, an assistant at Clarion University. And then at that time, you know, I, I was probably at the point in my life with children and, you know, wife, kids, uh, real job that I actually earn an income <laughs> with that, that I realized that, you know, the, the, the full-time basketball thing was going to be a hard transition, you know, from a financial standpoint even. So at that point, I kind of thought what, what would make the most sense. And with my family in the district, uh, you know, Dubois area school district, I thought, you know, that, that job came open and I thought that was the perfect timing to, uh, potentially transition and then I was fortunate enough to get the job, and you know it's been a, it's been a joy ever since. We're talking to Dave Bennett, the head coach of the Dubois Beavers basketball team. Uh, Dave, talk a little bit about the uh, the game coming up here Friday night. You guys tip off in Clarion, correct? Yeah, we we tip off at the it's the Keystone uh, uh, tip off tournament at Keystone High School. We open with Clarion, and uh, Clarion's always tough. I, obviously, they're a small school, but they always have great athletes. Um, they, they play really hard. They have size. So they're always a challenge to go up against. Now, this year they have a new coach. So he's been in the program, but, you know, it's a new coach. So it will be a new twist. So we're probably less familiar than we've been with them. But absolutely expect a big test from them on Friday. And are you guys hosting the holiday tournament again this year? We are, yes. Okay, and who's in that one? Uh, it's... Uh, the opening night is Brockway against Brookville, and we play Dubois Central Catholic. All right, that's always Ooh, one of my always... favorites. Yeah, just just to see the community come together and the crowds, and you know, it's a lot Absolutely. of fun. Yes. Absolutely. Um, speaking back to the roster here, I would imagine that those sophomores are going to get quite a bit of playing time. Is that right? Yeah, we we have um, so so Maddox Bennett, you know, played a big role last year as a freshman. And um, in, we expect him to play a big role this year. Noah Farrell, who probably a lot of people know from baseball. He's a tall kid. Had a, <laughs> has had a tremendous fall. He's a big, big, strong kid, about 6'3", 190. Uh, he, he's been playing very well, and, and he's, he's has vocal leadership abilities that sometimes young guys don't have. And with Tyson out uh, with a little bit of an injury right now, you know, he's had to step up. And then, like I said, we have uh, Trey Wingard, we have Jackson Hansley, and then we have uh, Grady Galashinsky and Dylan Horner. And that, that has always been a really strong athletic class on the way up, and uh, they're, they're developing well. Yeah, I um, I actually got to teach Maddox. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. I had him in eighth grade, and I, I, it looks like he put on some size since then. <laughs> yes, yes, a little bit, fortunately. Yes, he's about 6'5 now. Yeah, I so, saw that uh, we're listing. We're hoping to get a couple more inches on him. Yeah, wow. so him and um, probably Tyson are your tallest players, right? Correct. Yeah, they're both around around six five. And who are who are your ball handlers? Uh, Cam Thompson. Cam Cam's a senior. Uh, excellent vision. Uh, great passing. Great instincts like that. And then uh, Rudy Williams and Aiden West will also 
do a lot of the, the ball handling. All right, we won't keep you much, too much longer here because I know you got practice going on, but how can you um, get the younger guys playing? Uh, I know that you want to get the, you know, the foster the love of learning even with the, the younger kids and, and keep the pipeline coming. So what, what are you guys doing for that? Yeah, so, so our, you know, the, we've had an evolution here with the, with the youth program, you know, starting uh, my first year, we started with little dribblers. So it starts with kindergarten. That's kindergarten, first, second, third grade. And then we have travel teams and, and intramurals for our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And then obviously we start junior high and middle school with our seventh and eighth. And I, it was probably Maddox's third grade year when we started the intramurals and the travel teams and stuff like that. So that, that'll be, this will be the seventh year of that. Prior to that, there wasn't much with the travel teams or the little dribblers. So it's such a long haul, and it takes a little – it takes a patience and time to see the payoff, you know, with people coming up through the program. But we're finally starting to, to see all the benefits of that. Last question for you, Coach. Um, and, and I know this is tough before the season even starts. What are your goals? What, what would be a successful season for you? Oh, great question. Great question. I could give you the canned answer, right? You know, we, we want to get better all the time. And, of course. <laughs> because, because that's always true. That's always true. I know that our guys have, have a goal of winning our league championship and winning the sub-region championship. And, and those, are, those are big goals. And, you know, success can be measured along the way. But I would say those are ultimate goals that we're shooting for. Excellent. Yeah, hey, we really appreciate you taking taking the time, Coach, and uh, we wish you the best of luck this season. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great talking to you guys. All right, when we return, we'll take you through the Week 13 slate in the NFL. Stay with us on Under Review, sponsored by Smith Lawn and Landscaping and Dr. Greg Lineski at Wise Eyes. I'm Dan Kennard with Tri-County Insider News. Clearfield County twin brothers charged with multiple felonies for stealing more than $22,000 from a fast food restaurant will continue their preliminary hearings next week. According to Clearfield Regional Police, Shane Nebling of Clearfield and Sean Nebling of Kerwinsville, both 40 years old, are accused of taking the money between August and September. And gas prices in western Pennsylvania continue to go down. This week's AAA East Central gas price report is showing that the average price per gallon is $3.62 in the region, which is five cents lower than last week. Compared to the average price one year ago, gas prices have dropped 38 cents per gallon. The average price of gas this week in the Brookville area is $3.50. And it is $3.57 at Dubois area gas stations. That's Tri-County Insider News. Voted best powdered metal company, best manufacturing, and best place to work in the Tri-County. Clearfield Metal Technologies is hiring experienced die setters to join their team. Must be a Class C, B, or A die setter. CMT has a family-oriented small business culture and offers the best benefits in the industry. Health insurance, medical, vision, dental, 401k, and paid time off. Sign-on bonuses based on experience. Apply at clearfieldmetaltechnologies.com slash careers. Or indeed, equal opportunity employer. Honey, I'm home. 
A chopping gun. Great. Look at this handcrafted jewelry and designs by Flying L Beadworks. But this book from Claire Kreiner, a local author, and these cool, high-quality vinyl stickers that are dishwasher safe. But they're great for water bottles. Honey. What? Did you go to Dubois Feeds? Where do you think I got all this cool stuff? Oh, the pet food and bird seed is in the trunk. Dubois Feeds, home of From Pet Food and so much more. With curbside and drive-thru at West Dubois Avenue for 26 years. Dubois Feeds. Hi, this is Gordon Deal. Thursday on This Morning, America's First News. The Defense Department wants a further military buildup in the Middle East to keep the Israel-Hamas war from spreading, but with only temporary money funding the government, how does the operation get paid for? Also, why surveys are finding we're so unhappy at work right now and getting your family into an airport lounge during a long delay. Thursday on This Morning, America's First News. 99.7, Connect FM. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Lows dip down to about 25 tonight under partly cloudy skies. Winds out of the southwest, 8 to 15 miles per hour. Sunshine mixed with clouds at times again tomorrow. Highs level off around 46. Cloudy skies expected tomorrow night. Chance for scattered rain showers. Lows dip down to about 38. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 28. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Week 13 is upon us, and I'm saddened to know that I am no longer the leader in the clubhouse here. Boy, that was a rough outing for me this weekend. Uh, tell us a little update on the standings here. Well, I might have lost the kicking challenge, but I did win the week. Nice. Um, so, And it did vault me into the lead, although these standings are as tight as you can get. We, Bob went in with a three-game lead on both Herzing and me. I went 12-4, and four, Herzing went 10-6, and six, and because of the Chicago game, you ended up going 8-8. Eight and eight. That game... It was horrible football. That get you could have flipped a coin. That could oh, have yeah. gone either way. But because of that, you won eight and eight. And so now I'm 114 and 63. You're a game back at 113 and 64. And Herzing's a game back at you at 112 <laughs> and 65. It's hard to it's be closer than that yeah, over 12, 12 weeks. 12 weeks, and we're separated yeah. by two games yeah. between the three of us. It's crazy. And as I look at this week, last week we had a lot of differences. Part of that was because of the schedule. Part of it was because I think Darren kind of made some wacky picks. Yeah, he did better than I did. <laughs> um but this week, there's the spreads are bigger. There's a lot. I think there's going to be a lot more agreement. So there's probably going to be two or three really key games for us that are going to really matter. You know, tell the tale. Well, and and congratulations to you, twelve and four. That's really really good stuff there. Um, so it's going to be make or break time for many teams in the NFL this week who are trying to make a playoff push or those who are trying to tank for Caleb Williams. It also features an NFC rematch in the uh, championship game that's going to be, man, that's going to be a clash of two juggernauts right there. Uh, six teams are on by, Buffalo, Chicago, Las Vegas, Minnesota, New York, and Baltimore. Anything more to say before we get started on the uh, game? I just want to point out that it's a dangerous week. There's some trap games, and there are more road favorites than home favorites, and that's always a big like caution flag to me. Um, might not affect my picks so much, but... It's just unusual. Yeah. Well, let's start right off the bat tomorrow night. Seahawks 6-5 and five at the Cowboys 8-3. and three. Dave, I'll let you get it started. Well, nobody's playing better than Dallas right now. I mean, 
yeah, they haven't played any good teams really lately, but you can't argue with what they're doing. If you look at statistically, there's an argument they're the best team in the league so far. So, um, and Seattle's really run on hard times here, and I just don't know how you can possibly take Seattle right now. Yeah, they're two teams going in opposite directions for sure. Cowboys have won three straight, and they haven't lost at home yet this season. They bludgeoned the Commanders 45-10 to last week, and Dak looks as good as ever. He threw yeah, he four really touchdowns. Um, Herzing, how, Herzing and I both took Seattle, or, uh, Dallas, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, now I'm taking them too. Do you see Deron Bland has, has five pick sixes this year? No, I didn't. Yeah. Wow, it, that's got to be it, a record. It is. It's an NFL record. He has more touchdowns than any uh, player on the offense for the Steelers, by the way. Huh. And the Seahawks, they're, they're wounded right now. Geno's playing hurt, and Kenneth Walker mm. probably isn't going to play. But, but you start to wonder if last year was just the flash in the pan for Gino. You know, you always want to see it two years in a row. Yeah, for sure. Um, but nonetheless, the Seahawks are still right there in the playoff race in the NFC. So we got the Colts six and five at the Titans four and seven. The Titans snapped a three-game losing streak, and Derrick Henry finally looked like himself. He had two touchdowns last week. The Colts, in the meantime, they've won three in a row, but they'll be without Jonathan Taylor, who has a thumb injury. Um, Indy won the first matchup 23 to 16 in week five. I'm going to go with the Titans though. They're four and zero at home and they've averaged 24.8 points per game at Nissan stadium. I'm going to say they get the upset win in a division matchup. Well, Herzing agrees with you. Um, obviously all Dave did was send me his picks. We didn't talk about them. I imagine his logic is similar to yours. I'm going with Indy. Um, you know, Taylor, they were winning without Taylor before he came back. And this team continues to surprise me. I, I just don't believe in Tennessee. Yeah, they won last week, but they were playing a pretty bad team last week. Indy, True. Indy's, you know, this is a huge game for Indy. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah. Tennessee, I don't think, is making the playoffs. Indy has legit. they win this game. They're 7-5. and five. They have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. And who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? You're right. They're actually holding down the seven spot yeah. right now in the AFC. So it's a very important game for them. And I'll also point out that they're only two and a half point favorites, but they are road favorites in this game, which tells you how far they've come. And we got the Chargers four and seven at the Patriots two and nine. Speaking of road favorites, think about how the Chargers have managed to lose games this year. Think about how frustrating they've been. Think about the fact that Bill, Bill Belichick and all of his glories on the other side and think about the chargers being six and a half point favorites in this game who would have ever thought that i'm now seeing where I, it sounds like belichick's not going to survive after this year i think he's going to be fired well that you know they can make trades in the in the nfl with coaches too so you know maybe if he wants to keep his career going that'd be the best thing why, why for not him. just step out i mean he you know it, it, it what's he gonna do with himself yeah well i know yeah. that's true but any but back to the the picks. I, I I assume we're all taking the Chargers. I yes. mean, I, it's crazy to take New England as but their their offense is so bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to this for me: Justin Herbert versus Bailey Zappi. And uh, we were talking before here. It, I'm I'm tempted to take it as my lock, but uh, if it was home, you'd do it. Yeah, I would. But they're traveling across country. That's so. the only thing that gives me pause. But right. you know, New England has been horrible wherever they play. So. But yeah, I, I get it. So you're going to hold on to your lock. Yeah, let me let me hold on to that for just a second right. here. By the way, the Patriots say they lost against the Giants Sunday. This marked the fourth game this season where they scored seven or few fewer points. And like you said, I mean, the Chargers, even if nothing else, are going to put up probably 20 points. Probably. I mean, yeah. Yeah, New England has to prove to me they can even score 17 the way they've been going lately. 
All right, we got the Lions eight and three at the Saints five and six. These are two dome teams. The Lions, they're they're kind of shaky here late, lately. I mean, I did not expect them to lose on Thanksgiving there. Uh, of course, when Jared Goff fumbles three times in the game, that hurts. Um, but I think their offense is too good to lose to another inferior opponent, even if they are on the road. The Saints, by the way, are 0-4 against the spread at home this year, and they have some injury questions at receiver. Well, and look, I, I picked New Orleans last week. I, it was one of the games I, I really missed on compared to you guys. Detroit has been dominated two weeks in a row. They happened to win the first one, but th this time it caught up to them. But I'm going to go to my old Penguins theory. When the Penguins are on a winning streak, you can always tell when they're about to lose, they get sloppy. Mm -hmm. The last game of the streak, they'll pull it out with their talent, but they'll turn it over. They'll do a lot of dumb things. And I think that was the Bears game. And then last week was the end of the Penguins thing. And then they usually snap it together. They, the head coach is like, see, you can't play that way. And then they play better. And I fully expect Detroit to cut down. The turnovers are what's killing them. If they stop turning the ball over, they're going to be fine. And I think they'll beat New Orleans. That's a great point. I like that analogy. Who Harrison taking he, Everybody took Detroit. Yeah. Okay. All right. We got the Falcons 5-6 and six at the Jets 4-7. and seven. Well, this is another one. You know, I don't believe in either of these teams. I haven't believed in Atlanta all year. Um, I just can't take the Jets. Their offense is so bad. I mean, I, I hate Tim Boyle. I hate taking Atlanta on the road in this game. A dome team outside that's not any good. I just here again. Can the Jets score 10, 14 points? I'm not convinced they can. So until I see it, I'm going to take the other team. Yeah, that's my philosophy in this one too. And. I have believed in the Falcons um, this season, but every time I start to think that they're going to, you know, come around, they they kind of let me down. Um, I do like the fact that they are using Bijan Robinson. I mean, they took the guy eighth overall. You might as well use him. He had a great game last weekend. But this Jets offense is just horrible. So bad. And I, I can't take well, them. Well, Miami embarrassed them. I remember I said I wanted to see the good yes. offense against a good defense, and the offense won big time. Yep. I just think if Desmond Ritter takes care of the ball, the Falcons win. And and by the way, Herzing took Atlanta. It, it, a lot of these are obvious, so I'm not talking too much about what he took. Sure. We got the Cardinals 2-10 and 10 at the Steelers 7-4. and four. Well, let's, let's, let's start off because he's not here. You know, what's he going to say? Stairway. Stairway talk is the best talk. Yes. So if you, when you listen to the replay, Stairway, D, baby. Yep. Let's start with that. I'm, he's definitely taking them. Yeah. Um, but please go from, go from there. Well, I was going to say, this is a great opportunity for the Steeler offense to break through. The Cardinals defense is not very good. They gave up five touchdowns last week. Uh, the question is, can the Steelers finish off these drives with touchdowns? But um, I do like Kyler Murray. He's the X factor. He makes me a little bit nervous. That's why I'm not so sure if I want to take Pittsburgh as my lock. I still have him available. Um, regardless, though, I think even if the uh, Kyler Murray has a decent game, I think the Steelers' defense is enough to contain him. I'll take the Steelers. This is the week. We talked about it earlier. This is the week Pittsburgh offense needs to carry their load, put up 30 points, and take all the pressure off the defense. The defense gives up 20 to Kyler Murray. Eh, they should still be able to win this game because Arizona's offense is so bad. Um, I will say this also, if you're playing a little strategy with your your uh, your survivor, if you don't take Pittsburgh this week, I'm not sure when you're gonna when you'd feel any better taking them. Um, next week they play New England. Well, on a short week. Yeah, true. Thursday, but they are, are good you going to take time. a Thursday survivor. I've yeah. never done that that yeah, I can remember. True. Herzing um, did take the Steelers, I assume. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And, I, and and here again, you know, you look for opportunities to maybe sneak in a surprise pick, but the early games are just 
mostly pretty obvious. Yeah. The Panthers are 1-10 at the Buccaneers 4-7. Here's another one. I mean, who's who's the biggest Carolina fans in the whole world? The Chicago Bears. That's right. They own their draft pick. Can you imagine being Carolina? And I sent you guys this. Carolina, you know, they've got this owner. He's fired all these coaches. They're 1-10. The quarterback doesn't look like he's working out nearly as good as C.J. Stroud is. And to get him, they traded away their top draft pick, which right now would be the number one pick. And Chicago is like, wow, this is awesome. Carolina, just keep losing. Go buy a Bucks uniform. Um, <laughs> and, and Carolina is getting worse now. We've often seen coaching changes do give a little bit of a spark, but I need to see it to believe it. Tampa Bay at home, I can't go against that. Yeah, I'm going with Tampa Bay too. They've lost six of seven games, but man, they, they sh- they've got to get right here. Uh, we got the Dolphins eight and three at the Commanders four and eight. Uh, the Dolphins they haven't beat a team above five hundred all season, and yet they're eight and three. So that tells you that they have a pretty darn soft schedule here. Well, they do, and, and they they get another easy game this week. So I'll take the Dolphins here. The I mean, the Commanders gave up forty five points last week. The Dolphins might put up another seventy this week. The one consistent thing about the Dolphins is they chew up bad teams all year. Their offense, when they face something like something like this, they I, if they don't get thirty-five, they've underachieved this week. I, I think if if they were available, they should be everybody's lock of the week. In fact, at that line nine and a half, I, again, I don't bet sports anymore, but that that's one of those rare nine and a halfs where I would take the over for sure, take Miami and the points yeah. because. I can't see. It would take a number of turnovers for me to think Washington can stay in this. And D takes Miami. Yeah, everybody took Miami. Okay, we got the Broncos 6-5 and five at the Texans 6-5. and five. This is an interesting matchup. Huge game, huge playoff yeah. implications. And again, it, it, tell me in August that you think this game matters for playoffs. I mean, wow. Or even the beginning of the season yeah, after even, like even a month. month in, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, you know, kudos. Look, my, I said it last week. My son, Darren, is a big Denver fan, and, you know, he he's – He's been bugging me about Denver and how they're going to make the playoffs. And they're only going to lose one more game the rest of the way. But even he thinks they're going to lose this one. Um, they're di- Denver's always just a little bit different on the road. You know, there is a big advantage to being at the mile high versus on the road. C.J. Stroud looks really good. Um, Denver's defense really isn't that good. Um, I know they've been winning, but they've been giving up a lot of yards. And I like Houston. Uh, now, D took Denver. I took Houston. They're at home here. Um, Sean Payton squad there. They're the hottest team in the NFL right now. They won five in a row. And actually their defense did flip a switch. They, they're only allowing 16 points a game after over the last five. And uh, they have a league high 16 takeaways in that time frame. But like we said, this is a huge game. If Denver wins this week, their odds to make the playoffs will be 45%. If they lose their odds dip to 11%. And the Texans, if they win, they're at 68%. If they lose, they're at 52 So really, this game is bigger for the Broncos, but I'll take the Texans. And, and back to that Denver game for just a second. I, I want to point this out. I know we're probably short on time. Denver has a really bad run defense, and Cleveland had a really bad quarterback, and then he got hurt, and they had an even worse quarterback. And they still refused to run the ball on that. They, they, had, they averaged five and a half yards a carry. That's yeah. one of the worst game plans I've ever seen, and Cleveland deserved to lose. Browns are seven and four at the LA Rams five and six. Can the Rams get back to 500? I say yes. And maybe I'm overreacting to last week, but how can I take the Browns right now? I mean, they're down to their third string quarterback. They're really becoming the Jets of the AFC North. They are wasting a really, really good defense. They're wasting an opportunity here. All three of us took the Rams. 
all three of us took the Rams, and I think it is a direct. When you go, that look, I know they had won four in a row going into it, but when you lose like they lost to that Denver team, come on. I, yeah. that That's a sign that you're not ready for prime time yet. And, yeah, I know third quarterback and all that, but, you know, run the ball. I, I'll be, I will say this. I'll be shocked if they don't go out and try to run it 40 times against the Rams, but the Rams have a pretty good offense. I do like I do like their chances. All right, we got the 49ers eight and three at the Philadelphia Eagles ten game and one. Of the week, the game of the season, maybe. Yeah, I'll tell you what, and, and and I said this early in the week. The surprise here, if you if you're somebody who looks at records, is you know Philly's at home. Philly's ten and one, and Philly is an underdog. And Bob, that's just really strange. So I, I, I don't really know what to make of that. Now, if you look at the the, the statistics. San Francisco is is the better team by the analytics, so I understand to a certain extent why they're favored. Um, but man, you know that's just going to give Philly fans more than nobody believes in us stuff. You know, now again they were very lucky to win last week. They should not have beaten Buffalo at all. They 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 pretty much got outplayed in that game. Uh, you know, the Buffalo fans will say it was the referees that gave them the game. I don't buy into that, but that 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 was a game that that Buffalo really should have had. I'm taking San Francisco because other than that three-week blip when they were kind of banged up, nobody has looked better in the NFL than San Francisco. I'm with you. I'm taking the 49ers too. I just, I'm, and I know the Eagles are at home, but um, I didn't pick the Eagles last week. That didn't work out. Nonetheless, I'm doing it again because I don't see the Eagles finishing 16-1. and one. They're going to lose here sometime. He took the Eagles. Okay. Herzing took the Eagles. There's so this a chance is a huge to separate. game for him. Yeah. All right. We got to move quickly here. The Chiefs are eight and three at the Packers five and six. This is Patrick Mahomes' first visit to Lambeau Field. Uh, I gotta like the Packers right now the way they're playing, but I don't see them beating the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs. They did turn it on. You know, road games at Green Bay this time of year are tough, but Kansas City is a cold weather team that shouldn't affect them as much. We all took Kansas City. And the Bengals are five and six at the Jaguars, eight and three. Bengals, they just look really bad right now. And the Jaguars, I, I was impressed with that victory last week weekend. Uh, I'm going to say that they cruise in this one. Yeah, I think we all think that. I, honestly, if I'm Cincy, I pack it in a little bit and try to get a higher draft pick because their season is absolutely toast. All right, when we return, we're going to talk to Matt Vensel from the Post-Gazette about the Penguins. Stay with us as we continue under review, sponsored by Smith Lawn and Landscaping and Dr. Greg Glineski at Wise Eyes. Here we go again, the same old story. You order the part online, it's wrong when it arrives, the car's torn apart, and then the fun begins. Trying to send it back, in the meantime your wife is missing her hair appointment, the kids need to, well you know the rest of the story, and you think you saved money. At Napa, we'll get it right the first time. Napa know-how is on your side with expert customer service and parts that meet or exceed manufacturer's standards. Napa, better here to serve you, our customers, Napa Auto Parts, Dubois, Brockway, Brookville, and Clymer. Do you have a car sitting around you want to get rid of? Then here's a great idea. Donate your car and help veterans and their families. Yes, one fast call to the Veteran Car Donation Program and we'll come and remove your car for free. Fast, free towing, and 24-hour response. You can donate most cars, trucks, or SUVs in most conditions. The proceeds raised goes to help active military, veterans, and their families, and you get a tax deduction. All you need to do is make this free call. Get rid of that old car and help the vets. We make it easy. Make this free call now and book your fast and easy pickup. Call the Veteran Donation Program now. Donate your car and help veterans and their families. Operators are standing by. Here's the number. 800-726-0144. 
That's 800-726-0144. Times are changing, but at Spitzer Dubois and St. Mary, our focus has always been on treating our customers like family. For over 100 years, that has always been true. So we invite you to experience our enduring tradition and spend the holiday season with someone who's always got your back, Spitzer Auto World. Enjoy Panda protection with the Spitzer Shield, featuring our lifetime nationwide powertrain warranty, first year of complimentary maintenance, and much more. The times will change, but we'll always stay true to the most important thing, which is ensuring we give you our best each and every day. Visit Spitzer.com today and experience all the benefits of shopping with Spitzer Dubois and St. Mary's, an enduring tradition of over 100 years for a reason. From our family to yours, we want to wish you a happy holiday. Shop online at any time using Spitzer Speed Pass. Visit us today at Spitzer.com. Must complete regular maintenance at manufacturer specified intervals and document it. Any breakdowns must be completed at a Spitzer location within 40 miles. Warranty effective anywhere in the continental United States of America, Alaska, Hawaii, and Canada. Complimentary maintenance applies to new vehicle purchases. See dealer for complete details. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching under Review Sports. Welcome back to Under Review. Dave, we got to get our fill. We haven't talked any hockey yet tonight. And uh, luckily, we got a guy who knows a lot about the team on the line. A friend of the show here, Matt Vensel, joins us. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, great. Good to talk with you. And um, last night, boy, that, that was a rough ending to that Penguins game. Um, you know, they played a tough game, I felt like, in Nashville. That's a tough crowd. Nashville's really going tonight or, you know, recently. But uh, tough way to lose there. Did you feel like that was an interference on uh, O'Reilly there? I do. Uh, now, I mean, there's a lot to unpack with that play. Um, I don't think Ryan O'Reilly was intending to make contact with Sidney Crosby. Um, he was just trying to straddle the blue line. Probably didn't help that Eric Carlson like literally had O'Reilly's stick and was trying to yank him <laughs> back into the zone, and he let go of his stick. Um, so I don't think he was trying to make contact, but that doesn't mean there shouldn't have been an interference call regardless. And I would also point out, too, that Carlson was way out of position regardless. Even if Sid had not uh, collided with Ryan O'Reilly, I don't know if he would have been able to get there in time to contest the play. So I, I totally understand why the Penguins were frustrated um, to lose a game like that. But I also think, you know, it very easily could have been a penalty on Carlson or, um, you know, and I don't even know if Sid would have gotten there. So, you know, it's a tough loss because they, they worked their way back. Um, but at least they were able to salvage a point. Yeah, what do you make of this team right now? To me, it feels like they just can't score. I mean, they're out shooting teams consistently, but it, I don't know if they're just not getting enough high-danger chances. What do you see? No, I think that's a great observation, and really it's a continuation of last year. Um, last year, if, if you guys believe in the fancy stats, they were they were number two in the league in expected goals, basically – you know, to translate it, it's, you know, they, they use uh, shot location and rebounds and other shots on the rush basically to quantify how many goals a team should score with their opportunities. And the Penguins created, you know, the second best scoring chances last year, and they finished 16th in the league in scoring. It was the widest gap in the league. And here we are 21 games into this year. Um, last I checked, which was before the Nashville game, they were number one in the league in expected goals. 
and they were in the middle of the pack. So it's kind of surprising when you consider, um, you know, all the big names on the team um, that they would kind of have this like weird gap where they're not finishing as well as expected, but that's exactly um, has been the case. And then you throw in the struggles on the power play and you have a team that's getting a lot of looks, um, but aren't scoring as much as they should or often as they should, I should say. And, um, you know, it, it's obviously cost them a few games here. You look at the one nothing game last week, for example. Yeah, and you bring up a great point about I am a believer in you know expected goals, and over time that stuff should even out. And when you're now a hundred games into a sample like that, it really makes you wonder what's happening. But another thing that goes along with that, I think, is they're not drawing as many penalties now. Maybe as bad as their power play is, maybe that's almost <laughs> a good thing because they they've been giving up so many shorthanded chances. But leaving that aside and assuming they'll figure this out and at least become an average power play. I remember even a few years ago, they drew penalties all the time. The big guys drew penalties all the time, and it seems like they they clearly aren't as fast as they used to be relative to the league, and do you think that plays into the fact that you, you can say what you want about the officiating, but I don't think they've earned as many calls as they have in past years either. Yeah, you're dead on, and this is another trend that carried over from last year. Um, they didn't generate a ton of you know power plays last year as well, and you know, the player, I don't know if there's scientific um, or statistical evidence to back up the notion that the more power plays you get, the more likely you're going to score because you just kind of wear teams down and um, you get in a groove and more puck touches. I mean, the, the star players talk about the more power plays, you just get more comfortable with the puck and it leads to confidence and leads to chances. But um, they haven't they haven't had the opportunities and they sure don't have a lot of confidence right now. But I mean I do tell you we're talking about these like advanced statistics, like the Penguins very much pay attention to this stuff. Mike Sullivan pays attention to this stuff. I know he points it out to his players all the time, whether it's good or bad, like, hey, these are the advanced numbers and you know, this is why we feel good about what we're doing or or you know, hey, we need to draw more penalties. So it's very much been an issue for this team. I mean, I think they have much greater problems with their power play than just the number of power plays, but uh, it certainly isn't helping them that they're not getting a lot of opportunities to kind of work out the kinks on the fly. Well, let's stick with the power play a minute. I happened to attend the Toronto game. Uh, you know, nice win for Pittsburgh, don't get me wrong, and I thought that, that you know we got great goaltending, and that was a really inspired effort, but I watched Toronto's power play very carefully, and even though they didn't score on it, they were dangerous, and they usually had definitely one and sometimes two people right in front of that goal just causing all kinds of problems. And I look at Pittsburgh, and sometimes they have somebody in front, but it's so much perimeter action. I mean, I, I know the coaches are telling them to get in front. I, do, do you know what why they're just not creating more traffic? Uh, I think it's it's a part of the way that they're coached, but I think it's just the way the star players want to play it. I mean, um, there's not a lot of urgency when you talk about a team like Toronto when they have the power play. They're they're really forcing the action, and it's just it feels like the Penguins just pass it around on the perimeter up top and just try to fit these seam passes through when the other team knows they're coming. And um, there's a lot to unpack there with the personnel. Um, you know, when they shifted away from Patrick Hornquist, that was intentional. Todd Reardon came back, and um, one of the reasons they traded Hornquist is because they wanted more emotion on the power play, and he was sort of like an anchor in front of the net. Now, he was amazing at what he did he was basically like a drunk guy in a mosh pit at a concert just kind of thrashing around and drawing attention and i do think that opened up things in the perimeter a little bit more and you know i don't necessarily think you need that kind of player to be successful but they brought in carlson in part because he's good on the power play and one of the reasons he's good on the power play is he's a willing shooter he can really you know get a lot of speed on his shot but he also is really good at shooting through screens but if you don't have that guy in front, it's not really there. So as talented as they are overall, I mean, there's some real 
personnel issues, I think, with that unit because they don't have a natural net front presence. And they don't really have a bumper guy either. And that's, you know, when they're kind of, you know, in that diamond formation, the one guy who's standing in the middle, they don't really have a natural fit for that. I mean, that's an important position when other teams pressure them to kind of, you know, take advantage if they get, they stretch out the PK, get inside and then make a quick play. Um, it's also a shooting position. It can also be screening and deflecting. There's a lot of different things you can do with that spot, and they really aren't doing anything with it. It's almost like a dead spot on the ice. So there, there's a lot for them to sort out. But you do wonder, like, okay, like, can they try to trade for a net front presence? And, it's, you know, what's the cost doing it? Because I think if you're going to stick with Carlson up top and you want guys to shoot, um, you know, having a guy in front, no one's going to be like Patrick Hornquist, but at least somebody who can, you know, draw some attention, screen the goalie, and deflect a shot or two. And I, I just don't think they have that player on the roster. Yeah, we only have about a minute left with you, Matt, and we always enjoy catching up with you. But uh, is there anything across the league? I'm sure there's got to be something that has caught your attention so far early in the season. Maybe a team that's going the wrong way or the right way. Oh boy, that's a that's a wide open one. I mean, I I think if you just want to look at the East, I, I would just say how wide open the East is, and even if you look at the Metro Division, um, you know the Rangers are out front and Columbus is way in the back, but um, you have a lot of teams clumped together in the East. So I know one of the stats that everyone points to is, okay, like 75% of the teams or whatever who are in a playoff position in Thanksgiving end up making the playoffs. But I think in this case, sure, it's a little concerning that the Penguins are out of a spot at this point, but I think because everything's so clumped up in the Metro and the East, at least they can kind of feel good about the fact that they're within striking distance. But, yeah, I just think it speaks especially like just the, the competition in this in this conference. And even if the Penguins – you know, do get the fourth in the Metro, they might not get a playoff spot because there's a lot of good teams over in the Atlantic as well. So that's what I'm noticing. It's just how competitive the East is and the fact that, um, you know, as good as the Penguins are, I think they are improved from last year. Um, they're going to have their work cut out for them to get into the playoffs. We're, we're really almost out of time, but I, I almost forgot to ask you, it, some of the stories we're hearing about this Corey Perry situation are crazy. Have you heard anything concrete about what's going on there? No, I I, I have not. And it, it's, I'm sure it's going to come out eventually. I just saw somebody, one of the national people report today that, that some teams are looking into signing them. So um, at least that would tell you it's not something like criminal or anything along those lines. But, yeah, it's a weird situation. And, um, you know, I would guess the truth is going to come out at some point, but we'll see. All right, Matt. Hey, we really appreciate it. You can follow Matt's work at the Post-Gazette uh, and follow him on X at Matt Vensel. Matt, take care. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Uh, it's time to get lost, Dave, and we don't have D here to, to kick us off here. So uh, I'll just start it some, since we're talking hockey. I'm going to say hashtag get lost Jacob Truba. I don't know if you saw the latest hit that he was a part no, of. No, I didn't. Oh, man. He, he hit somebody with his stick. Uh, it looked like on purpose. And then I'm going to say hashtag get lost, get lost offsides reviews. I am tired of offsides reviews. Yeah, I, I certainly think they need to change that rule. I think that if, you, if you're if you in the zone for more than 10 seconds, and you know what, then just defend the play. You know, if it, if it happens off the rush, I agree with it. But if the, you're settled into the play, they shouldn't be reviewing. Um, my, I have two, I guess. Number one, hashtag get lost to David Tepper. He's the owner of the, the uh, Carolina Panthers. We already talked about what a disaster owner. He might already be the worst owner in the NFL. And hashtag get lost to these crazy fights and, and end the hockey games. Did you see that the official threw everybody who was yes, on the ice I out? Did. I loved it. That's what you have to do. Put a stop to this nonsense. Yeah, that was in Florida. Florida was Florida playing and somebody. Ottawa, yes. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Um, well, we will say, D, we missed you this week. And don't forget, we are changing our show times next week. We're moving from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. So uh, adjust your schedules. And, and like I said, we're always available on the podcast. So for Dave, I'm Bob. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week on Under Review.